Hi, this is Alex Yule. You might have heard that Bill Gross recently retired from his portfolio manager role at Janus Capital Group. Gross is known as the bond king because he all but invented trading bonds as an investment. Barron's senior writer, Mary Childs, has covered Bill Gross's career for several years now and is working on a book about him. We thought this was a good time to re-release one of our favorite episodes of The Readback and one of our first, where Mary tells us about a more obscure side of the Bond King, his love of stamps. So here's the episode. Enjoy. There are few names in the investment world more recognizable than Bill Gross. The so-called Bond King reinvented the way investors think about debt. For years, he's been a staple in the pages of Barron's, But Barron's latest growth story by senior writer Mary Childs comes with a twist. Mary's currently finishing up a book on growth, so there's no one better to discuss the Bond King. Mary, welcome. Thank you. Take us to the scene you witnessed recently. So it was at the Palace Hotel in Midtown Manhattan. In this like mahogany, I don't know, I'm making that up, but it feels like it was mahogany, paneled room with like gold fixtures and just very fancy. And it's full to the brim of white middle-aged men. And they're all as amped as you can get about stamps. So this is a stamp auction, probably the biggest thing that will happen in the stamp world in decades. And all of these people, you know, they have their little paddles. They're, like, waiting in suspense. And they were all so excited because all of these stamps hadn't come to the market in forever because Bill Gross had collected all of the best stamps. So it turns out Bill Gross is one of the greatest stamp collectors of the late 20th, early 21st century. So nothing to do with bonds. Absolutely nothing to do with bonds. So how did Gross do? He did great. He shattered the world record for a single evening sale of stamps. So the previous record was $9.1 million, and he managed to get $10 million. So before we keep going on stamps, which is fascinating, let's step back for a second. Why is Bill Gross such an important figure in the world of finance? So when Bill Gross started out in the late 1960s, early 1970s, there actually really was no active bond trading. It just didn't really exist yet. Bonds were pieces of paper that you kept in vaults and you just stored them and clipped your little coupons off the bottom and literally mailed them in to companies to get your interest payments. And so when Bill Gross started out, he basically helped to pioneer active trading in these where you actually buy and sell these among different investors and you can get capital appreciation in doing so. So this was just a revolutionary idea in the early 70s. So, Mary, you have a lot of material for your book on Bill Gross, I'm sure. Yes, far too much. One of the recent controversies surrounding Bill Gross, of course, happened a few years ago when he finally left PIMCO. Breaking news in just the last few minutes. PIMCO's Bill Gross is leaving the company he founded. He's joining Janus Capital. Effective Started his own shop or joined someone else's shop. And it's sort of been a tough few years for, for him, hasn't it? It has, yes. Is Janus funds already seeing diminishing returns from their star hire? And Bill Gross's Janus fund down sharply 3% in a single day. Almost unheard of. And so Bill Gross, the Bond King, I guess not so much lately, right? It's a really kind of sad story, actually, because he moved. That fund has not done super awesome. Every time you write, you know, Bond King Bill Gross, someone will comment inevitably, well, I don't really think he's the Bond King anymore. And... While I appreciate that comment, I have decided it's kind of like being the president. It doesn't really, you don't really lose it. Like it's just a thing. Once the Bond King, That's always right. the Bond King. 
but his performance really hasn't been stellar at Janus. You talk to him a lot. What's his mood been like around stamps? His mood around stamps is great. Very happy around stamps. We have limited the conversation to stamps lately. So how does the Bond King become the world's greatest collector of stamps? So I think in uh, the early 1990s, he had more money than he knew what to do with. And he started looking around for something to invest in, and he decided that stamps were where it's at. He cold-called this guy Charles Shreve at Siegel Auction House and said, hey, there's a, there's a sale coming. I want to bid in it. And the guy's like, uh, who are you? Literally, what? And he's like, I'm Bill Gross. I want to I wanna spend, you know, I forget what the figure was, a million dollars at this upcoming sale. And everyone that he talked to was like, hey, go downstairs and pick up a Fortune magazine because it's that guy. And there was literally the Bond King article about Bill Gross on stands right then, if you can believe it. You know, it's Bill Gross doing his yoga and being like, I need to win and win forever. It was a really, like, influential article that kind of put Bill Gross on the map nationally. And Charles Shreve is looking at this. He's like, okay, this guy's for real. What is it about stamps that brought Bill Gross to this world? Feels pretty different. It's pretty different. It's a really unique little world. In some ways, stamps and bonds are very similar. They are just little pieces of paper that are special for some reason, largely delineated by like, you know, little ink markings or promises behind them. Bonds have a lot more kind of actual promises behind them. There's not a whole lot that gives a stamp or a you know, an envelope with a stamp on it, any inherent intrinsic value. So the market for stamps is like kind of a pure encapsulation of like the very things that Bill Gross really loves, which is like just weird niche things and digging up reasons to value something over another. Right. Bonds will hopefully pay you back millions of dollars. Your stamp may get your letter across the country if you're lucky. Exactly. Like even talking to the the people at uh, Siegel Auction House, they were kind of saying, you know, you buy this because it's a piece of Americana. You buy it because it's a piece of history and the beautiful things that it, you know, represents or whatever it means to you. But you don't necessarily buy it because it's going to appreciate 40 percent over X number of years. So in some ways, yes, he managed to put a whole bunch of money in this and some of them helped to retain that value and even appreciate, and others, he will be the first to tell you, lost money. You mentioned that stamps have not classically been a great return on your investment, and yet I'm guessing it's not a coincidence that Bill Gross, the bond king, is the one who managed to bring this huge auction to the table. So there's got to be some connection there, right? Did Bill Gross bring something new to the investing in stamps? Absolutely. So he brought his intensity and his obsessive nature, which definitely, I think, was new to the stamp market. So coming from the bond world and the investing world, he looks at art and stamps and many things and is like, well, why don't I just apply the same framework? Why don't, you know, if if I can look at a bond and a company and evaluate their creditworthiness and how much this bond will appreciate over time in my forecasting or has appreciated over time or not, then why don't why can't I apply that to other stuff? So we took the same things like GDP measurements and you know wealth creation measurements and all of these different metrics to say how the world has changed over time since you know 1910 or whenever he was benchmarking against and sort of basically created himself a little wealth creation index and he could say okay this stamp has been around since you know 1980 or this stamp has been around since 1860 whatever how much will it be worth in the future if it's appreciated you know this much percent So just as he did with bonds, it seems so obvious now, but at the time, people buying stamps weren't really thinking this way. Absolutely. This was definitely a new idea in the stamp market. And I think, to be fair, it hasn't really caught on. I think stamp collectors buy them because they're cool 
and they like them and they have money that they need to put somewhere. It's not totally, again, they're not really proven as like a great investment vehicle. On that topic, one thing that occurred to me reading your story about this event was you had the Stamp World's biggest investor basically saying, I'm going to exit my position. When we write about stocks at Barron's, often that's a pretty bearish signal, right? That means a smart person thinks the stock is going down. If you're a stamp collector, are you worried that Bill Gross is getting out of this market? It's sort of the inverse in stamps. So I think the it's it's a funny comparison because the liquidity, I think, is a differentiating factor here. In stocks, if you have a, uh, and in bonds too, if you have a giant investor like offloading tons and tons of inventory, everyone's going to be like, oh, God, you know, this is going to depress prices. And in stamps, it's like, oh, great, I haven't seen this 1901 whatever come to market. You know, Bill Gross bought it in the 90s, and I've been looking for it ever since, and I just need it to complete my perfect collection of stamps. So it's sort of an opposite reaction to liquidity, where because this is a, these are precious assets, these are precious little things that are impossible to replicate, have perfect little things about them that you couldn't possibly find elsewhere. And so when they finally come to market, it's a catalyst for more buying, which helps boost prices, which helps demonstrate that the market's robust and wonderful. You had, um, I thought, a fascinating line in your story in which you said, by winning too completely, he ruined the game. What did you mean by that? So this is the liquidity issue just writ large. Where it, Bill Gross basically bought everything cool. There was nothing else to buy. He filled all the slots in his little stamp collecting book. I'm being a little facetious, like it. I mean, but he did. He literally had spaces that he was filling, and he filled them all. And he was like, "Okay, like now what?" And that kind of takes the fun out of it, not only for himself but for everybody else. Like he can't go buy anything else because he owns them all, and everyone else can't buy anything because he owns them all. So it's like he cornered the market. He just just eviscerated it. <laughs> I have a secret theory that this is breaking news. I haven't revealed this to anyone, but one of the here. I know very exciting. One of the guys that he used to bid against, one of the primary, you know, big collectors in the world, actually passed away earlier this year. There were auctions where this guy would just come in and like he didn't put his hand down the whole time. He bid on everything and they thought they were gonna get all the stamps and this guy got all the stamps, and that's like that's catnip for Bill Gross. Like he needs somebody to benchmark against, especially in a world where there's no index. Mary, before we let you go, just tell us about your book. So the book is about Bill Gross, PIMCO, and their rise in the bond market, how they became so dominant and managed to basically control the flow of money when you know the U.S. government was in dire straits during the financial crisis, and then how essentially he got ousted from his own company in 2014. Can't wait to read it. Maybe with a footnote on stamps? Hopefully. You can read Mary Child's full story on Bill Gross and Stamps in the latest issue of Barron's and, of course, on Barron's.com. Check out Barron's.com slash stamps. I'm Alex Ewell. The Readback is produced by Meta Lutzhoft. The Readback will return next Wednesday. <laughs>